Should we do it? Let's do it! <laughs> Hello and welcome to In The Frame. I am so excited about today's guest because she has one of my favourite voices in the whole of musical theatre and has just been in so many incredible shows and played some of my favourite, favourite roles. Um, I'm absolutely obsessed with her. So it was an absolute treat to speak to the one and only Danielle Steers, who is currently one of three actors sharing the role of Cher in the Cher Show, which is touring the UK. Um, This show originally ran on Broadway, but this is an all-new production exclusively for the UK, directed by Arlene Phillips and choreographed by Oti Mabuse. Danielle has had such an incredible career and done all sorts of different things. Some of her credits include Respect La Diva at the Garrick Theatre. She played the judge and cover pillar in the West End production of Legally Blonde at the Savoy Theatre. She was a dynamite in Hairspray. She covered Killer Queen in We Will Rock You on its international arena tour. And then was a swing and cover for Nikki in The Bodyguard at the Adelphi Theatre in the West End. I remember seeing her on stage for the first time as a Shirelle in the original London cast of Beautiful, the Carol King musical. From there, she went on to originate the role of Zahara in the original production of Bat Out of Hell. Danielle did the musical in Manchester. She did it for two runs in the West End and also took the show internationally to Toronto and then to New York. She played Carmen in Sweet Charity at the Donmar Warehouse, and you also know her for her time as Catherine Parr in the West End production of Six the Musical, doing the show at the Arts Theatre, taking it through to the Lyric after the pandemic, and then reopening it at the Vaudeville Theatre. We recorded this chat remotely. Danielle was in her dressing room getting ready for a performance of the Cher show, so I was literally getting to see her transform into Cher whilst we chatted. It was such a treat, and we had so much fun. Here's the interview. Danielle Steers, you're in the frame. Oh my god, hi. <laughs> you follow that direction so well. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Tell all the casting directors. <laughs> <laughs> For um, people who have us in their ears right now, can you paint the picture as to where you are, what's going on, what you're doing? So I'm currently in my dressing room in Cardiff, new theatre, um, just putting my makeup on, ready for an evening show, you know? This is early, right? Yeah, well, we've actually got um, some people off tonight, so um, we're having to do a little rejig, so we're all in a bit early, so... Um, yeah, it's all good. I see. It's all... <laughs> so I came. I I came the other week in Milton Keynes. Yes. And I finally saw it because I saw this show on Broadway and I fell oh. in love with it on Broadway. And I was, you know, from Broadway to Milton Keynes. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it just as much in Milton Keynes as I did in New York. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. Oh my god, what a jump! Talk to me. I know I've seen you say that you wanted this job. You wore, did you get like a special wig to wear for the audition or something? I did. I bought a wig. Yeah. So 
talk to me about these early stages when this when this came up when you heard that you were auditioning for it what made you go oh my god this is something that I need to be doing I think just so I was actually in New York working on Bat Out of Hell when I saw that the share show was a thing and I was like oh my gosh I have to see that and I never I never got to see it unfortunately but I was just like I just become obsessed with it I was just like oh my god and loads of reviews from Bat had like likened me to share which was really lovely so I was just like I have to be in the show and then I found out that it was coming to the UK. And again, I said, if I don't get this, then I'm I'm giving up the industry. That's it. I'm done. I have to be in the show. Um, and I had a couple of auditions. Um, I did a FaceTime call with Arlene. We did some acting over FaceTime. Like, it was so random. It was amazing. Um, and I sang Turn Back Time. It was, like, the only song I sang throughout the auditions. And I was like, do they want to hear me sing something else? Like, <laughs> And um, yeah, I found out like a week, two weeks later that I got the job and I was just over the moon and I'm just so grateful to be here and I have to pinch myself every so often. So I'm like, I did it. I'm in the share show. <laughs> you were in the share show and it's the most opulent thing I've ever seen. You're literally, you're constantly on these like fly cases being wheeled <laughs> around that stage with this kind of like moody face, like... It is the campest thing ever, but it is so cool, isn't it? It really is. It really is. It's just, I, we feel like absolute rock stars every night. So, yeah, really thrilled to be here. What I'm so fascinated by is how you get that performance fine-tuned. Because obviously, who needs one share when they can have three shares? Yes. And, you know, like, I saw, like... For me, if I'm being honest, like when I saw the Donna Summer musical on Broadway, that had three Donners, and that was a bit like a, that was a lot, you know. But there's something genius about having three shares and seeing Cher having discussions with herself at different points in her of life. Course. It's just it is so on brand. It works so well. But actually, <laughs> from a, from an acting perspective, if we're going to go, you know, deep and talk about acting and intentions and portrayals here, because that's what we do on in the frame. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know why I've got really camp as well. Um, you, you, you know, you're opposite these two other women with Millie and Debbie who are incredible. And if one of you was like really OTT share impression and the other two weren't, it wouldn't work. You have to kind of like have the same kind of like levels and really work together. So how did you, because there are certain things that you do where it's like, oh my gosh, the voice or some of the little like twangs that you do. It's like, this is share. But then also you have your own identities and you do your own things mm-hmm. with it and you bring your own qualities to it. So what I'm trying to say is how the hell did you do that? <laughs> it was a process. It's been a long process. And I guess we're still learning and finding things. And it was that thing of we didn't want to be caricatures of share, but also we're not impersonators, we're actors. So it's finding that truth as well. Um, And then because we're playing her in three different stages of her life, she's been through a lot and she's gone from this innocent young girl that doesn't really know what she's doing. And then she sort of gained her confidence and she started speaking out a little bit more. And then you've got the sort of fully realized share now, um, who's this strong, fierce woman that's been through so much. Um, And I think it's so funny because we can all personally relate to our characters, which is really wonderful. Um, You know, Debbie being a mother as well. um, And just like 
we have to we have to come together because we're playing one person. So we we quick we quickly run our lines our first scene before the show just so that we can all be on the same page. Um, but even in rehearsals before we started the show, it's very much like watching each other and picking up on things that the other person did um, so that we could take a little bit of that. So we do have this sort of like seamless transition between the three of us. And I think we work really, really well together. I think we complement each other really nicely. And they're just so fun to work with, both mm. of them. The whole cast is. Mm. Um, but having to work so closely with Millie and Debbie, thank God that I love them both dearly. <laughs> it is like spot on perfection casting. It's incredible. Oh. What um, Talk to you about Arlene and OT, because I guess what a, a creative team I was doing one of these with Jay Perry a few weeks ago and he was talking about having his ass whipped by OT when he did Kiss Me K at the Watermill like what what is she like and what what was Arlene like what were they like together um so I didn't really see OT that much because I don't really dance that much in the show so the sort of the ensemble was split off from us for quite a while but anytime I was in a room with OT she's just like a ball of sunshine and she wants the best out of you and she pushes you and she's just got these great ideas um and it works really well actually because a lot of our numbers in the show are sort of like on camera so they're like um they're not just like in the scene songs they're like performative songs there's a camera in the front of us so stuff like that works like really really well um but she's a ball of sunshine and Arlene oh my gosh honestly I I love Arlene so much she's I mean she knows what she wants and she gets it done um but she's just so funny I didn't realize that she was so funny like she's hilarious and I just want to put her in my pocket and carry her around with me like she's just a wonderful woman um and I think the two of them again complemented each other really well and they've they've put on a really really great show I'm very very proud of it Mm. and there are some tweaks from Broadway it's slightly different and it's a different numbers wasn't there was there a change that was made recently was there one of your songs changed or something yeah so this their show's changed a lot from broadway um in terms of costume like everything it's like yeah. a complete oh, yeah, 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 redo yeah. of the show there's rewrites of the script and stuff like that um but i actually really love it i feel like as much as i love the broadway production it is very much that glitz and glam it's very like that side of share that like showbiz like spectacular which i love but i think our version is very much about the book and very much, it's very raw, it's quite gritty. Um, and we get to see a bit more of a, it's a bit darker than the Broadway show, which I love. Um, and also I sang We All Sleep Alone in Act Two, but unfortunately that had to go and has now been replaced with um, a reprise of Song for the Lonely which is really, really lovely. Um, and it makes more sense to me in that place in the show, um, singing to share, knowing that Sunny's died. Um, it just comes from a much more heartfelt place. So, mm. um, yeah, it really works. It really does work. Mm. Yes. Mm. Okay, I, we need to rewind a little bit. Like, we need to talk, Danielle Steers. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you have, to be Honestly, Helen Hart, you have, I think, like, my favourite voice in musical theatre. 
You, oh, the you. things that you could do are just outrageous. And I'm so glad they did cast for a share because I always, I think I've said so many times on record, you know, we're so lucky to have voices like Danielle Steers in musical theatre because you could be, you should be like, an, you know, an international megastar. You should be like Cher, you know, like the things you could do, it's outrageous. But, but what I love is that it's not like your conventional musical theatre voice. And we know that sometimes in this industry, right. like we like people to sound the same and to do the same things mm-hmm. sometimes people need to be convinced to have their minds open and stuff so I'm intrigued yeah. to know like well actually first of all talk to me about like discovering a voice like when you were younger were you giving us this you know incredible alto deep rich energy with growl and pizzazz like how did that happen Hi, I'm Marcus Mazel, host of Past Present Feature, a filmmaker appreciation podcast showcasing new festival releases and the past films that inspired them. As a filmmaker myself, I started this podcast with the intention of building community while talking shop and to show love to past cinema that sparked a new wave of filmmakers to create the films of the future. Please like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media at Past Present Feature. Thank you for listening. Let's roll it. Um, yes, I've always been very much an alto. Um, I remember when I was young, my earliest memory of me singing is I used to make up songs all the time, like just randomly. Like if I was sad, I'd just sing along. And I remember one day my mum had told me off and I went up to her bedroom and I was stood in front of her mirror and I was singing this song about how no one loves me and, you know, the world is shit. And my mum said, and you could turn that radio off as well. She, and I was like, oh, mum, that's me singing. And she was like, well, you're very good now. Get to bed. Wow. That's so funny. <laughs> that's like one of the earliest memories that I have. Um, but I have always had a deep voice. I used to do singing competitions when I was younger. And like some of the mums would be like really annoyed because they'd say that I was older than 12 years old. She's not 12. She shouldn't be in this category. And I definitely was. 10 11 12 which was really funny um so yeah I've just and I I guess like when I was at college I had a, a voice that was so different to everyone else's and I wanted to sing the the conventional musical theater songs and it just didn't sit right with me and I didn't particularly enjoy singing them as much as I love all musical theater um but I like having a bit of a different unique voice you know and I've had so many people message me that have like you know deep alto voices and they're like I you're the reason that I decided to carry on singing because I realized that you know someone with a voice like you you can do it like there are people like me out there so that's really really lovely as well um so yes big up the altos but yeah justice for altos like yeah it, it doesn't mean that you can't hit top notes like it just means you have unique incredible qualities that other people don't thank like. you thank you yeah we can we can still it our ease fgs if we want you know but i just choose not to <laughs> Amen. and there's a lot to be said for that <laughs> when you're making a track <laughs> did you like um before you went and trained when you were at school were you doing school plays and stuff well i, I love knowing what are on people's childhood CVs. So I iconically played Daddy Warbucks as a 10-year-old in Annie. I love that for you. That's amazing. 
My childhood CV. I played Joseph when I was 10. You didn't? In Joseph? And it yeah. Any kind of dream coat? I did, yeah. I remember I did that. And then I played the narrator when I was 14. So that was fun. Yeah. Yes, and also yesterday, Fiddler on the Roof came on um, in warm up. And I remembered being a bottle dancer in Fiddler on the Roof. That was that was a really great time for me. I was saying as well, it's so funny. Like, I never got at, like, any parts when I was younger because I was just really terrible. <laughs> and no one would ever give me anything. And it was really funny. Um, yeah, it took me a while to to break through. And then I got my, my Carmen in fame moment. Um, oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, I think I was about 14 when I did that. Hilarious. I thought that I was the best thing ever. <laughs> it was probably really terrible. <laughs> no, are you probably 100% correct? You're probably 100% correct. I need to find a video of this. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Um, and then when you when you graduated, like you finished training, where were you at then? Were you? I always say this: new grads are like often, you know, give me all the jobs, I'll do anything, I'll cover, I'll swing, I'll, you know, <laughs> like they don't. You, some often you don't have a formed idea yet of what you want to be doing and where you're at. Like, did you fall into that category? Because you kind of, you know, kicked off with some incredible jobs. Yeah, it took me a year almost to the day of me graduating to get my first job. Um, and I was so close to giving up. I was like, I can't keep doing this. Like I kept getting to finals and just nothing was happening. No one was giving me a chance. And then I ended up booking two jobs at once and it worked out really, really well because um, I did Respect the Diva at the Garrick, which was like a three week run. And then in my last week of shows, I started rehearsals for Legally Blonde. So I was rehearsing Legally Blonde in the day and then going and doing Respect the Diva at night, which was like dreamy for someone who like coming into their first jobs um so yeah and I've I've done I've done it all I've I've been ensemble I first covered I've second covered I've swung I've played supporting parts and now moving to leading parts so like I and I think it's really good to sort of work your way up like that because I think you appreciate it a lot more and what goes into it and how to treat your covers and just you know just I think you just have a totally different mindset to someone who's been just thrust into stardom or just thrust into playing a leading part and then they just assume that that's their life and you know it's I think it's good to work your your way up absolutely Was that's that not me calling shade on anyone by the way <laughs> no 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 but I think there's a lot to be said for that you're so right and like you've you know you've worked your way like you've done you're proving yourself I Was paid there... my dues I paid my dues was there um <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why this is carnage. I love it. Was there a moment when you were like, you remember looking back when you were kind of decided that you wanted to make that jump or you were ready to make that jump? Because essentially you get to a place right where you have to start using that really scary word, no, and like turning down a certain job because you want to be available for if, you know, something you were amazing and leading were to come in. Like, did you get to that place where you had to do that? Um, there was a moment for me. Um, I've never really turned down a job. I've, I've been quite lucky, to be fair, um, that it's sort of like everything's come to me. Um, but when I did, when I was offered Sweet Charity, I just, you know, originated the part of Zahara in We Will Rock You. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Battle of Hell. 
another show that I've done a long time ago. Hilarious. <laughs> they rewrote we they rewrote a role for me and you rolled and we were rocking. Amazing, it's amazing. When I did Battle of Hell. Um and then I was offered Sweet Charity and it was sort of it was an it was an ensemble track essentially, which is totally fine. But I felt like I needed to move forward. But then I was also like, but it's the Donmar warehouse. So there is also that. And, you know, and the people that I would have been working with, the people that I did work with. And um, so there was that moment for me, but I'm so glad that I did it. Um, but I guess there does come a point where you have to go like, like I didn't put swing on my CV because I didn't want to get labeled as a swing because that's not what I wanted to do. So I took that off my CV um, and just kept progressing forwards, really, which is really good and I have a phenomenal agent James Beresford he's just the best um and that helps a lot mm. um so yeah I've I've been very very lucky very grateful can I, can I tell you my moment when I was like Please. oh my god this person's a star it was your quick change and beautiful <laughs> oh, iconic moment right <laughs> oh I just love it I love it Basically, so like, I see you as like you're basically got younger and younger in all like as your career's gone on. Like I, I don't know when I first saw you, I thought you were were older and beautiful, and you just done you know you just you just done Killer Queen, which often and then suddenly Bat Out of Hell, and then Sweet Charity, and then Six, you and then like you just like get constantly getting younger. I'm like, oh my gosh, who is she? What's happening? I'm like Dorian Gray, <laughs> <laughs> living life back. <laughs> Sorry, okay. Benjamin Button. <laughs> so, like, now that you're out of that, you know, that out of hell was this massive, massive period. And I think yeah. I'm right in saying that it was hugely, you know, made a massive impression on you and meant a lot uh-huh. to you. And, like, the music that you've been recording since and stuff, they just, you know, it sounds like it sounds like it aligns and it was a big thing for you. So now that you're out the other end of that canon... I mean, everyone always tells me they want to create new work. They want to be part of original things. They want to, you know, basically you were ticking off all these boxes. And what a journey to basically end up doing it in New York, having done a couple of West End runs and stuff. Like, insane. Have you been able to digest it? Like, now are you able to actually look back on it and be like, oh, my God. Because I imagine when you're in it, you can't take it all in. Oh, of course. And, you know being in a show it comes with it sort of you know ups and downs and you go through a lot especially when you're creating new work as well but I did have that wow moment of like you know I'm I'm doing a show in New York this is this is insane like dreamy like dreams coming true and I feel like that is the show that sort of put me on the next sort of like step to where I wanted to go and even in terms of like share like it's so weird looking back and like I get reviews that pop up now and they say like one of them mentioned like Stephanie J Block in there and I was like oh my gosh this is so crazy like I'm having like a full circle moment right now like it's so wonderful um and I would even doing like share show at the end of act one the song for the lonely is like one of my favorite moments in the show and I have to pinch my myself sometimes because I'm like oh, I'm doing it this is this is literally what I wanted to do like my whole life and mm. I'm, I'm doing it um so yeah it's it's been pretty wild but I'm mm. I'm very grateful very grateful 
this morning I did one of these with um, JJ from Six. Yes, love JJ. We were terrible influences for each other as well, actually. She, she's, she's, she's the reason why I'm in this mood. Um, talk to me, like, when you, but that came up, you know, Six, you went into Six at this, you know, quite a big time. We were, like, the first replacement for that West End oh. cast. And it's insane now when you look at it and you can see there's like something like six plus productions happening simultaneously. You know, it was still developing. There's still you know, costumes change and bits change as she was doing yeah. it. When you went into it, did you have any idea what you were letting yourself in for? Oh my gosh, no. Like I, I was not prepared for the world of six. I, I hadn't seen the show until I got it. <laughs> so I had... I'd not even heard the music, like nothing. Um, everyone was raving about it. And I was like, what is this show? Um, yeah, I'm in for it, cool. And then I found out I got it. And Lauren Drew also um, had got the tour at the same time. So the two of us, neither of us had seen it. We went to watch it together. And as soon as it started, that curtain opened, we both went, oh my God, oh my God. And we got so excited. But <laughs> being in the show, well, that's a whole different ball game. Like I have never experienced um, uh, a fan base like it. Wow. Um, the fans are wild. It's amazing. Like the support, the love. Um, it also comes with its downs. You know, I was sort of slut shamed before I'd even set foot in the rehearsal room. Um, people being body shamed. Like it was just really bad. Um, you know, there's there's some people who call themselves fans, but they're obviously just fans of certain people. And then you get compared to people. And the whole show is about, you know, we're all different and we can, there's room for everyone. So, you know, be kind, share the love. So you can't be a fan of Six if that's your attitude because then you haven't taken away anything from the message of the exactly. show. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, Six came with some, you know, tough, tough times and... Um, it was hard for me, not only sort of vocally and physically, it was mentally draining as well. It's hard doing doing that show when people say, oh, it's only, it's only like 75 minutes. It's fine. I'm like, but we don't leave the stage for 75 minutes. Like, it's the hardest show I've ever done. It's it's so hard. I was going to say, like, it's so different. I mean, you've done massive shows. I mean, like, Legally Blonde is a most full-out show for that ensemble. You know, Bat Out of Hell, you're yes. hitting these insane notes and doing outrageous things and stuff. Um, <laughs> so really, like, is it... And well, what JJ was saying as well was that it was for her. It was the, I'm interested. You were, you were at opposite ends of the line. She said for her, you get out yeah. the cannon, you do it, and you into no way straight away. And obviously, there's six of you. There is an element of like being worried and nervous about going first. You don't have time to regain your breath after that opening number. You're straight mm-hmm. into it. Whereas you're the, you're the opposite. You had to like wait to the end to step forward. And I imagine that yeah. can actually be maybe like a bit anxiety inducing sometimes. Oh, I was, li- you literally just took the words out of my mouth, like anxiety inducing. Like sometimes, you know, if you feel a bit tired or, you know, we all have off days. And that's another thing I've had to learn, like even with this show, like you can't be 100% all the time. We're not robots, we're not machines. Like you're going to have off days where your voice isn't as good as it was last night. Like you just have to get on with it. But with six, I'd start the show and sometimes I'd be like, oh my God, my voice, my voice is going, my voice is going. I can't, oh my God, oh my God. And I'd panic so much that I'd work myself up into this like frenzy. And like, I would just be anxious for the whole show or just 
hating my life, like wanting to just run away <laughs> off the stage. Like it created some real, uh, yeah, it created not a very nice vibe for me. Um, and I did struggle quite a lot with the show. Um, and it's so wild because I, I loved it for the most part that something in my brain was just decided to tell me nope no no you can't do it you can't do it you can't do it mm. just horrible feeling yeah, um and then I you just imagine. do it and it'd come out and it'd be over and then you'd be like oh well, that was a waste of <laughs> energy <laughs> <laughs> but then you never learn do you like you never learn from these things and you still no. do it again tomorrow do you know what i mean <laughs> oh literally it's exhausting but, but I do, um yeah but I do have to say though that what you did with that song vocally was just outrageous. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I have to say. Thank you so much. I love the way that you are on social media. You know, you are quite open and honest and you talk about like there's something the other day about you said about anxiety that I saw and also the content that you put on social media is so you know what you said about how, you, how some of those fans slut shamed you but you know for those have two fans or whatever I'm sure there's hundreds or even thousands of people that were inspired and uplifted and saw you as a really incredible role model for them and I think there can be maybe it's something that's getting better or worse at the same time the way we use social media in this industry but I think there is something empowering about you. There is more room to express opinions or like to be yourself or to talk about what you stand for even, whether yeah. other people like it or not. Like, so talk to me about your use of it because you could very easily not be honest, not post photos. You could easily not talk about, you know, where you are, where your mind's at and stuff if you didn't want to, but you do. And of course. You do do a lot of good because of that. Yeah, I think it's important as well. Like we are so accessible now. Like when I, you know, when I was training and when I first graduated, Instagram wasn't really a thing. Like the only way you could contact someone in a show is send them a message on Facebook, which I wasn't going to do. But like, you know, we, we are so accessible right now and people see like, our, I'm going to put in inverted commas, like our, what our life is like. I mean, it's not at all, really. And I think it's really important to show that we are human beings and you know I, I was sat yesterday with my feet in a bucket of ice between shows because I was in so much pain but then I go on stage and I'll put my heels on and I'll give a good show but you know we have bad days too and I think some people just see us and go oh my god like you're so and so and I'm like yeah but I'm the same as you and I have my own problems I have my own mental problems I have my own body issues and I think it's important that people know that because then they can relate and maybe feel good about themselves as well when they can see that we're definitely not perfect you know um and you know it's hard going on stage and doing eight shows a week like it really takes its toll and you have to give the same performance and if you you know, if something's happened at home, you're going through something, you you can't just sit at a desk in a corner and be quiet all day. Like, you have to get on with it and do it. Um, and, yeah, I think, like, when I was younger, social media, like, wasn't really a thing. And we just got sort of, like, magazines put in our faces with, like, Kate Moss on the front, these size zero people. And I think it's important now that if we can use our social media platform in a positive, uplifting way, then that 
you've done some good in the world like and just not spreading hate just mm. you know just try and like I said before just inspire if I can make one person feel better about themselves then mm. you know that makes me happy mm. um and I should post more I went down a sort of when I was in battle of hell I posted loads of like body positivity stuff but then because of the whole slut shaming thing which was crazy that I got Christ. before six I just I just stopped but to me like those girls that said those things they're people that weren't comfortable in their own bodies and didn't understand and that makes me so sad for them not for me because I knew what, what I was doing and that just makes me feel bad for them um so yeah I, I do need to post more um stuff like that um I feel like I lost that side of me a little bit and also with COVID I put on so much weight which is not a bad thing you know but you know I just started to sort of feel a bit like shitty about myself but you know what it's all good all love here no matter what size oh i can confirm <laughs> that you were yeah on stage and in those shared costumes and wigs <laughs> you were stunning but i mean imagine like when you were growing up if you could essentially have followed yourself now on social media because like it would have been so reaffirming right or you know you would have really looked up to yourself to that person you know yeah because I I mean I wasn't I was like so shy I wanted to cover myself up like I hated my body I you know so I think it's really important that people see role models and people that look like them as well that don't have unattainable body types or you know it's um Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's great Right, we need to wrap up in a second. You need to go. Yes. But tell me about your, like, passion projects as you're out here releasing music, doing concerts. Like, you're showing us, showing the world who Danielle Steers is and what she's about. Have you got, do you want to do more of that? Does that, is that more scary, less scary? Like, where are you at with it? (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to release more music. I mean, doing the album was crazy. It was so, there was a lot more, that went into it that I'd even like thought about like stuff that you just you don't think about um and it was hard it was really hard work but I loved it but I think I am ready to put some more music out there I'd love to write some more music um and get that out there and also yeah I've got a concert coming up in December and I just I just love doing like little concerts and cabarets and things like that's really where my heart is. I love doing musicals, but I also love doing me as well. Um, so yeah, watch this space. Hopefully, hopefully we get something out there in the sort of next year, maybe hopefully. Yes. That would be really great. One thing I didn't mention was you in Legally Blonde, you were Courtney Take Your Break, weren't you? I was Courtney Take Your Break, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the most iconic what an iconic role in musical theater. but you probably didn't know at the time like it's in latter uh, latter years that it's become so iconic right I know yeah and, like Billy Billy Dick Nevers taking it to a whole new level now I mean amen yeah. amazing I we love we should have like a concert for all the people <laughs> before Courtney that. take a break is <laughs> Courtney take a break live yeah I'm here for it. I'm all over that. It's amazing. Okay, watch your space. <laughs> Listen, thank you so much for talking to me whilst getting ready on no, tour. Thank you for having me. This has the, been wonderful. This has been everything and more. I'm even more in love with you than I was before. Um, <laughs> and I... <laughs> don't do that face at me. 
the people can't see what you're doing. They can't hear what you're doing. <laughs> There's a like a seductive side eye. <laughs> Sino, what are you like on tour? Do you have like 500 bags or just one? Oh, 500 bags. <gasps> oh, I can't cope. I can't do this tour in life, honestly. It's no. too much for me. I can't I'm like, imagine. I need all the things. You just never know what you might need, right? Yeah, well, I, just... yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah. Never know. It's a lot. <laughs> um, Thank you. Good luck with the rest of your tour. I hope thank that we so get to much. see lots more of you and the share show. And um, yes, we'll have to do this again sometime. Please, I would love that. And come say hi if you come back. I will. I'd love that. Yes. Brilliant. You're great. Thank you so much, Danielle. Thank you so much. Lovely chatting to you. You can see Danielle in the Share Show, which is touring all the way through to the 18th of March, 2023, including a run at the New Wimbledon Theatre in London from the 31st of January through to the 4th of February. Thank you so much to Danielle for taking time out of her day pre-show to record this episode of In The Frame. It was such a treat to speak to her. If you're enjoying this season of In The Frame, hit follow, hit subscribe, and you can even leave us an Apple podcast rating or review. We love hearing from you, so stay up to date with West End Frame on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Check out our other podcast, The West End Frame Show, for your weekly stage catch-up, and I'll be back next week with another incredible guest. But until then, thank you for listening. 